Hi everyone, just want to say a massive thank you for choosing to listen to my little show called Spill It. Spill It is filmed live every Wednesday at 7pm via Facebook, YouTube and Twitch. Viewers can interact with the show by leaving comments. For more details of Spill It, head over to the Facebook hub at www.facebook.com forward slash spilling it. So however you're listening to this, make sure you sit back, relax and enjoy the show. Hello, welcome to Spill It. My name is Marcus. Welcome to the show. Oh my gosh, I have been looking forward to this episode for so, so, so long. <sighs> welcome to Spill It. My name is Marcus. I am the host of this show, of this little Facebook live talk show slash podcast, whatever you want to deem it as. That's what I am. I am the host. This is a show where we get to connect the world we get to inspire and we get to learn. So we've been through long enough of having not enough communication with people. Communication, by the way, is going to be the key topic of this episode. <laughs> um, but we have been through long enough of not being able to communicate with each other. So this is a platform where we can connect to everybody, to connect to people far and wide, etc., etc., etc. We also get to inspire people, whether that be through the words that we use, the quotes that we give, whatever. We, want, we are looking to inspire people. And then finally, to learn. We all want to learn. Every day is a school day. I would love to think that I know absolutely everything. I definitely don't. So with that in mind, every time that I do this show, I definitely learn something new. And I'm hoping that you guys at home do too. So let's get straight into those announcements. Announcements. Well, this will obviously be at the end as well. But, but, this Saturday, we have got the legendary Miss Sherry Vine, who, for those who have been living under a rock forever, she is a legendary drag queen in the US. She has built herself from the ground up. She has done YouTube parodies for years. She was on YouTube when it was like still a small thing for small creators and everything. And she has grown and grown and grown. She has written her own shows. She writes songs. She writes her own parodies to songs. Uh, she does absolutely everything. And she is coming on the show this Saturday. Now, the reason it's going to be on Saturday is because we want to do a bit of a different type of you know, setting. It won't be an interview as such like we do normally. I won't be doing the whole introduction and going, oh, hi, here are your announcements and blah, 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 blah. We won't be doing any of that because we've already, we've already done them. That, my friends, is the Wednesday slot. That's when I get to do all of this. On Saturday, it will be fun. It will be lighthearted. There'll be games. There'll be drinking games. There'll be all sorts of fun games and everything because it is a late night episode. So for us, for UK time, I have to say UK time because of the fact that, you know, we will have US people watching. Um, so it is at 10 p.m. So at 10 p.m., we will be going live on Spill It, on this, uh, over Twitch, over Facebook, over YouTube. We'll be going live at 10 p.m. for an hour until 11 p.m. US time, it will be 2 p.m. We'll be going live. Yeah, 2 p.m. We'll be going live at 2 p.m. US time. Um, and up until 3 p.m. Guys, I'm so excited. If you have not seen the post yet, 
then make sure that you have liked it, you have shared it, and you have tagged your friends because it is going to be important. Um, and make sure that you get, right now, those comments and questions rolling in, just like Scott, good friend of mine, show me. Getting drunk. So, yeah, we're going to be getting drunk on Saturday. So Scott's obviously saying we're going to be getting drunk. We're definitely going to be getting drunk. There'll be none of this uh, drinking a little bit of coffee. We'll be getting a little bit drunk all sorts of stuff. And, yes, Scott, you are right. I'll be going international. Make sure, guys, that when you are coming in and you are watching this, uh, even those people who are backstage waiting to come on, um, make sure that you guys are all sharing this episode. Let's get it far and wide. Let's hit that share button. It is important that we do that because then people will watch us, and that's what we want, right? We want people to watch us. So this episode today is episode 19, Hush. Hush is a uh, episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. As you guys know, the very, very first episode of Spill It was a Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode. And that, um, we, we basically dug, dug well into the characters. And, and to be fair, it was such a... Buffy the Vampire Slayer is so big of a TV series with all the themes and everything that it would be very, very hard to do just one episode on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Because there's seven seasons and you would really need to get into the nitty gritty detail of absolutely everything. Um, so I decided to bring it back and do a, an episode on a particular episode. Now, the reason that I have chosen this particular episode is Halloween, guys. It's Halloween. So not only is it, you know, scary season or spooky season or whatnot, it's every single Halloween I watch this episode. Doesn't matter where I am. Uh, what time I'm getting in after a night out or whatnot. If it's Halloween, I am watching this episode. It's scary. It gives me the heebie-jeebies, heebie-jeebies, even now. So, and that is why we are watching this episode. Now, we are going to be watching it together, like so we won't be watching it. However, my Scoobies will be joining us at 7.15pm, and all together, we have watched it. So we have done our own little Buffy watch, and you guys get to sit and watch us dive straight into it now hush is a brilliant episode yes okay there's a couple of um things that people might not understand but from a new viewer's perspective this is an episode that you could just jump in and watch and i'm sure that my scoobies would agree as well that you can just come in and you can watch this episode there will be things that you don't quite understand but it's, it's one of those episodes that are completely disengaged from the main story arc so it is an episode that you can just jump in and watch so if you are being feeling a little bit inspired after this episode of Spill It, then go ahead and watch the episode Hush on Buckingham and Pace Layer. It's on season four. So, and then you can watch the whole thing from the beginning because that's what we do. Because we are avid Buffy fans. So make sure that you hit that share button, guys. It is super important. I've said it before. Please share that share button. You know, please share that share button. No, please hit that share button. It means a lot to me. Share the love. Share the love, guys. What else have I got to talk about? Well, last week we were talking about T-shirts that I've had uh, printed for you guys, uh, or we'll be getting them printed anyway. Um, so they are as follows. You have got the choice of a black or a white T-shirt, and it's hashtag suck that dick or hashtag everyone is gay. Now, the proceedings of these T-shirts will go to Mind Out, which is a mental health organization that specifically deals with LGBTQ plus communities. 
Now, the money that will be raised for these T-shirts will go to these, uh, will go to this charity. And they do absolutely amazing work. And I'm really, really looking forward to being able to donate that money to them. And this is really, really important. And obviously with the, uh, the whole hashtag suck that dick and hashtag everyone's gay, the reason that I'm going for those is because of the fact that they are there to make you feel uncomfortable. Okay, the wording is there to make you feel uncomfortable. If you feel uncomfortable, then I am doing my job correctly because you should feel uncomfortable because the gay community, the LGBTQ plus community has been um, oppressed for years and years and years. And we've never had that type of voice where we can just vocalize the things. You know, it's like, for instance, uh, and, you know, the, the feminists that are watching will also agree as well. The, if you are a, straight, a white, straight, cis male, you can go out and you can talk about banging a girl. You could talk about, you know, how you're going to pull this girl or whatever. And that's okay, apparently. But if you was to be um, a, a gay male or you, wanted, you was part of the LGBTQ plus community or you are a female, then using things like, like terminology like this is deemed inappropriate, and I don't agree. And I think that we need a platform to be able to branch out and go, you know what, that is wrong, and I'm going to say this because this is my T-shirt and not yours. And I absolutely love it. So if you are wanting any of those T-shirts, then all you have to do is get in touch with me, let me know exactly which T-shirt you are wanting, and um, what size? And you can email me at marcus at spillit.uk and you can order your t-shirt. Now, the price of those t-shirts as an early bird offer is £15. When they come to full release, they'll be £20. But as I say, the proceedings of the money uh, of the uh, of the t-shirts will be going to charity and they are great t-shirts. There will be more coming as well. So make sure that you keep your eyes peeled as well. And I'm hopefully going to have a store. But guys, the reason that I stress it is because they are supposed to make you feel uncomfortable. The LGBTQ plus community has been silenced for too long and been told what they can and cannot do. Under no circumstance am I going to create a community like Spillet where I am being told what I can and cannot do. So there you go. This is my show, not yours. These are my t-shirts, not yours. And this is a t-shirt that everybody should be getting and I will get I will get that hashtag trending. Wink. <laughs> right. Anyway, moving on. Right. So uh, let's get into my brand new section, Agony Funkle. I can't wait for this one. It's a good one. So, Agony Funkle is a new section that I've got, which talks about um, the, uh, well, basically, it's a, an issue that somebody might have, and I have to help them, no matter what that issue is. And I saw this earlier today in my inbox, and I thought, this is genius. This has to be on the show. So here we go. Here is your Agony Funkle message today. Help me. My cat wants to create a cat army and take over the world. How can I stop her? Well, um, firstly, I, <laughs> I would say grab a water, water pistol, maybe squirt them a few times. If that doesn't do anything, I don't know. Do we need a cat army? Is, is the cat army going to... It depends. If we can train the cat army, 
to go to the Houses of Parliament and sort this godforsaken island out that I'm for the Cat Army. I don't know. Uh, and I'm sure that my guests will also be able to help out with that. But I would say, I don't know, if your cat really, like, really respects you, then surely you'll, you should have some sort of, you know, being able to convince them otherwise. Um, or convince them to take over the House of Parliament and we'll, you know, live like cat people. Um, life on Skyrim. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Let's do that. Let's do that. <laughs> Scott says, bring the RSPCA. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, though, you're putting them into, like, if you ring the RSPCA, then the cat goes to the RSPCA to the cattery, if you will, and then there's loads of other cats that have been abandoned there, so they could all just form this army. Maybe that's the plan. Maybe, maybe the plan is to go to the RSPCA so then they, they can recruit all of these cats that, you know, I've thought about this too much. <laughs> but we will see what my guests also think about this very, very shortly. But before I bring my guests on, because it is about that time, we've got one more thing to talk about. That's right, it's competition time. So this is the last week that you can enter this competition. All you have to do is send me an email to marcus at spillit.uk with your carved pumpkin. And the best pumpkin will be judged by Miss Sherry Vine herself. She'll be choosing the best pumpkin. And that person who has carved that pumpkin will win some glorious Spillit merchandise from me. So make sure that you get those pictures into me. You've only got a few days left. The winner will be announced um, on Saturday's show. So make sure you do it. Make sure you do it, guys. Make sure you do it. Okay. Well, that takes me to the end of my little introduction. So it is about time that I introduce my Scoobies. So can everybody give a nice round of applause and welcome a hello and everything, laws of emojis, et cetera, et cetera, to my Scoobies. Hi, guys. <laughs> you, you can talk, you know. Uh, yeah, well, I don't know. The episode's about hush, isn't it? Being, not being able to talk. So let's use our voices to discuss the episode um, and say hello. So uh, over on my right here, we've got Emmy. Emmy, who is Emmy? Uh, I'm just the person who introduced him to, him to Buffy. So. Yes, that is correct. You introduced me to Buffy. <laughs> yep, that, that pretty much sums me up, to be fair. <laughs> Uh, Jade, who, uh, Jade, this is Jade below me here. Uh, Jade, who are you? Um, I'm Jade, as you so wonderfully said, Marcus. And uh, I've liked Buffy since I was like a child. And I like to think that it made me into the little weird emo goth thing. <laughs> See before you now. <laughs> I've even Love worn it. a jumper for the yeah, you did. You've also got a nice setup. You've also got a nice setup for today, haven't you? As well, I'm going to put that up so people yeah, can see it. Spooky setup. Love it. Absolutely love it. That's Jay's nice little setup there. So today we are talking about hush. So what is hush? 
So Hush is uh, season four, episode 10 of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And according to IMDb, um, when everyone in Sunnydale loses their voice, the Scooby gang must silently solve the mystery of monsters who stole their ability to speak. Um, it received 9.7 out of 10 as well. It is actually one of the greatest episodes. Um, I, I'm, I'm obviously going to say this like one of the series, but I think just one of the most beautifully written uh, episodes in pretty much any sci-fi thriller, um, kind of whatever, um, supernatural kind of series ever, in my opinion. Um, so the, the episode was directed by Joss Whedon and it was written also by Joss Whedon as well. So, and when you, you know that when Joss Whedon's involved, it's going to be a good one, especially when it comes to his writing style as well. And that is what we are here to discuss, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> so, um, I'm going to take a seat back and I'm going to guide the conversation through and you guys are going to talk me through it. Now, I've got my own notes, so I will obviously interject and give you my own opinions. But these guys will always hear my voice. It's always now nice to hear um, other people's voices. So, uh, what's Scott saying? My interest in, is Pete in Buffy. I've seen maybe one episode. Cool. Well, you'll absolutely love this episode, Scott. Let's get into it. So... We start with the cold open, which is obviously normally the previously on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and they do the blah, 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 blah bit. But this doesn't have a previously on, uh, on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, does it? No. It really doesn't need one, I don't think. Like you said before, it's it's very much a standalone episode. While it does have a lot of character development, it's one that anyone can watch at any time, and it still be just as good, if not even more enjoyable sometimes. Yeah, uh, Carly says this is not only an ace episode. I'm sure it's the first time Willow meets Tara. It is, and we will be getting into that. I've got a lot to say about the whole Willow and Tara Tara situation. Vending machine magic, should we say? <laughs> Can't wait to get into that. Uh, sweaty, sweaty vending machine magic. But that's late. <laughs> that's late. That's coming later. So, <laughs> uh, right. So we start off at Sunnydale University, Sunnydale UC. Um, so Buffy's in college. Um, and we are talking about, so she's, she's taking psychology and she is, they're doing a seminar on communication, aren't they? Yeah. So, <laughs> great communication, guys, great communication. So they are doing, uh, so they're obviously doing the uh, communication. Um, what, what was your standouts from this seminar? I think, to be honest, the opening of this of this episode in particular has a hell of a lot of foreshadowing of what's to come, which obviously if you've not watched the episode before, you wouldn't necessarily pick up on. Um, mm -hmm. But with watching it through and properly sitting and analysing it, I picked up on quite a lot of stuff. You've got like, Obviously, it's all about communication, which is going to be a massive thing throughout this, uh, the episode. Um, one of the things that is said is um, communication and language are not the same thing. Um, it's thoughts and experiences we don't have a word for, which I thought was like, knowing what the episode is, I was like, oh, that's yeah. some foreshadowing there, Professor Walsh. Um, it's, br it's brilliant because obviously you, when you re-watch something like this, you get to really get into the, the nitty-gritty detail because you've watched the episode, so you know what's coming. 
and then you start watching, rewatching it, and you start picking up on these little things. So yeah, they, she talks about the, the, the differences and all that. Like, so um, I mean, and that's with Maggie Walsh, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, so I one of the things that I picked out was the uh, outfit that Buffy's got on. This beautiful baby blue here. I love it when Buffy wears baby blue. She wears a very gorgeous. She wears it very beautifully. Um, and what I noticed as well on the wrist was also the baby blue. Uh, what I thought was a watch, but it's actually a flower because later on in these, um, later on in the scene, she lays down on the table ready for cardboard man Riley to come over and kiss her. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, (laughs) then i don't know what it is Uh, so yeah cardboard man riley comes over to come and kiss her and uh i noticed that it's not actually a watch it's actually a flower so she's quite accessible Uh, not accessible she wears accessories our buffy doesn't she (laughs) it's quite accessible um now one of the things i wanted to ask is because maggie I'm not sure if I'm skipping ahead, so if, if anybody's got any notes about this particular thing, then obviously stop me. But I wanted to talk about Maggie and Riley's relationship. Because in that dream... Oh, well, we don't talk about that video. Within this scene... <laughs> in, this, in this scene, um, she chooses Buffy to lie down on the table. And then she asks Riley to come over and, and kiss her, essentially. And I'm Riley likes... What's that? Said and be a good boy. That's that. That <laughs> that is the most cringiest thing. Be a good boy. Like he's like, incestuous, isn't it? it yeah, because he he basically come, comes over and he says like it's just uh what does he say? It's just a, it's just yeah, just a demonstration. She went and then she goes. She says with a smirk on her face, "Be a good boy, Riley," and I'm like. <laughs> There's some weird kind of mum sexual tension happening there. I I don't know. What do you? What's your guys' take on that? I think you summed it up perfectly for me to be quite. <laughs> I just I find it really really cringe. Um, I just yeah I didn't I wasn't a fan. I wasn't a fan. But then Riley makes this really good quote. Um, I don't understand the quote. If I kiss you, it'll make the sun go down. Yeah, it, it it's odd. I think it may be supposed to be as as you accidentally let slip. Maybe the fact that things in in our subconscious aren't don't always quite make sense. That's mm, what I sort of get from that. It's like like the cheese man in the later episode. Ah, oh, cheese man! I'd love. I, do you know what? I want to do an episode just on the cheese man. I might try and get the cheese man on the show. Uh, that'd be awesome. I'll I'll write that down. <laughs> uh, what and Jay, what was what was your take on it? Um, after, after uh, Ra- that, Riley, on Riley and Maggie's relationship. Right, that's weird. Like <laughs> it goes, it goes from being like this weird sort of. There's like three parts to it. It's like this like superior and like subordinate type relationship, and then you've got this weird like maternal thing with her, like she why is she so close to him it's weird and mm. then there's this like and then when she says things like be a good boy it's like it feels like you, you know it feels like incestuous it's not right yeah so you know we'll skip ahead slightly this turns out that it's going to be a dream okay so buffy is dreaming this this, this scene and um, so we'll skip ahead because obviously i kind of let the cat out of the bag anyway 
Um, so she's <laughs> dreaming this. Now I'm wondering, did they make Maggie Walsh's um, quote of be a good boy, Riley? Did they make that because that was what Buffy sees? Like, and she and it's kind of over-sexualized because that's what she thinks in her head. Um, or is it that it was supposed to be like that? That's a question that I've got. It's very Maggie, though, to be fair. Mm. I, it, it, is, say that. it is an odd relationship that they have. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, so lo and behold, uh, Riley kisses Buffy on the table and the, the sun goes down. And Buffy stands up and she, and she says, fortune favours the brave. And as she says it, there's some humming that happens in the background. Yeah. <laughs> and she takes, so she listens, she listens and she can hear this voice and she keeps wanting to follow this voice. And I've got the scene here for people to watch at home. Fortune favours the brave. Do you hear that? So yeah, um, <laughs> Scott straight away, that's creepy as fuck. <laughs> yes, you are correct. So straight away from me, Nightmare in Elm Street vibes, straight off the bat, um, Freddy Krueger, obviously there's the one, two, Freddy's coming for you, is the same feeling, is the same vibes, and I have got literal chills as I think about that girl. And she's wearing red, which <laughs> she's wearing, she's wearing, I've just read the comments. Sorry, that's <laughs> yeah. I giggled, I giggled as well. I just started. <laughs> um, so uh, she's wearing the red dress, which obviously red symbolizes evil, sim uh, symbolizes uh, like the blood and all this lot. And um, so, yeah, what what was what what did you think of that scene? Can you remember what you first ever thought of that scene when you first ever watched it? But then also looking back on it now. It's creepy. It, it literally, it, that just sums it up perfectly. Like, I'm not a horror film sort of person. So, as like you reference Nightmare on Elm Street stuff, and you know, I haven't seen it. Uh. <laughs> but to me, it's, it's that thing of like all the horror films where there's always like, there's a music box playing. Like, and, and it's always, I think when kids are involved, especially, it always gets a bit creepier. I was going to say this. Kids are creepy. Yes, definitely. I, I don't know if it's maybe like the whole innocence sort of thing, but they really are. Like, it, yeah. it, it says something spooky. You're like, what? <laughs> so, like, <laughs> and and Jay, what was your take on it? So Nightmare on Elm Street is actually like my favourite horror film of all time. Um, I love it. I've got like the eight movie box set. When I first got that, I didn't even know there was eight movies, but there is. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty sure it's almost like it's almost the exact same tune of one, two, three. Mm. Not just like the pitch and the and the. Um, like, well, it's, it's, sorry, it's da 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 da
da, 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 da. So it, it, it's that same, same kind of melody um, pitch, if you will. I literally uh, have written here, Gentleman's Dog at Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Like, that's literally what I've got written in my notes. <laughs> Reason why not to have kids, number one, nursery rhymes. True. Uh, Ring a Ring a Roses, or Ring Around the Roses, is all about the Black Plague. Yeah. <laughs> Joy, <laughs> stuff like that. Most of them are about, like, pretty... Death and stuff. Yeah. Things. Um, so the lyrics of that actual child nursery song is... Can't even shout, can't even cry. The gentlemen are coming by, looking in windows, knocking on doors. They need to take seven and they might take yours. Can't call to mum, can't say a word. You're going to die screaming and you won't be heard. Oh, I got chills again. <laughs> ah. <laughs> oh, I, I love it. Absolutely love it. I think what stands out for me with this episode is despite Buffy being like sort of like the horror genre is there's very few genuinely scary villains yeah and i can only think of like one other one off the top of my head that that is creepy other than the gentleman and that's like the kinderstod the kinderstod i was about to say that which is based, which is obviously again based on the fairy tale thing yeah. and little yeah. children oh god <laughs> we, 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 we might have to do an episode on the kinderstod because that that's a crazy episode as well yeah, nightmares. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing a rewatch through, and I think I got to that one like literally a few days ago. <laughs> oh, I hate it. So, uh, the the monster that everybody saw at the end when Buffy turns around is this guy right here. This is the main gentleman. Okay, so we will go through that shortly. But this is the gentleman. Now, this actor is Doug Jones. And Doug Jones is actually a well-known actor. And for those who might not know uh, him by the name, he actually plays a lot of different characters like this. He's basically like the monster man, if you will. Um, <laughs> can we do an episode with Lightning McQueen car? It's a bit easier for me. <laughs> yes, yes, we can. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Doug Jones um, was on Hocus Pocus. So Doug Jones was the uh, the dead man, the, the zombie man. Uh, what's he called? I can't remember his name. But he, the, Billy. Billy. So Billy, when they rose Billy from the dead, uh, that was Doug Jones. And Doug Jones plays all of these different monster characters. I have already got in touch with Doug Jones. Uh, Doug Jones has emailed back, and I'm going to try and get him on an episode because I think that would be absolutely epic. But, yeah, I've been speaking to Doug Jones. It's just that his schedule's a little bit... Um, iffy at the moment. Uh, Scott straight in there with Billy. Yeah, so, uh, so the guy, so this guy right here, Scott, here we go, that is the same guy as Billy. Crazy, absolutely crazy. What's that, sorry? Which one? Jade first. Yeah. <laughs> Has your sound gone, Jade? Try that again. Try it again. You're talking fine now. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I said he plays um, Abe, like the amphibious guy in Hellboy as well, doesn't he? Oh, wow. I didn't know that. There we go. And Emmy, what did you say? I say when you, you brought up that picture then after knowing, obviously, that it's Billy, you can see it from the eyes, actually. Yeah. Like, so like... with Doug Jones, so um, the rest of the, the, the gentlemen, so just to put a bit of context here as well, the rest of the gentlemen, 
all have these gum shields that let their gums uh, go up. Doug Jones is the only gentleman that doesn't wear the gum shields. They are his actual, that's his actual mouth. That's his actual, obviously they, they, they've painted over his teeth and stuff, but that's his actual facial expression there, which is just above creepy. He's a creepy person. Um, my note, my note says, by the way, just uh, before we move on, uh, my note on this particular section says, um, kind of say, I couldn't cry, do the uh, nursery rhyme bit. Riley walks to Buffy, uh, hand on shoulder. Ah, scary fucking dude. <laughs> <laughs> they're they're my legit notes. I literally just thought that though. <laughs> um, our scary fucking dude will be available on Spillet t shirts. <laughs> I'm circling that because we can put that on t shirts. Ah, scary fucking dude. <laughs> there we go. Awesome. Uh, right. Um, so uh, then Buffy wakes up. Yep. So Buffy wakes up. <laughs> um, Buffy wakes up and she's um, talking to Willow. Willow's teasing her about falling asleep in class. Then uh, Riley joins in about teasing her as well about falling asleep in class. And then she talks about the fact that she... Um, oh, Willow does a bit of a skedaddle thing, doesn't she? She runs away and leaves Buffy and Riley to talk because she she knows that they've got the feels for each other, and but they're not really talking about stuff. You're right there, Annie. Yeah, just doing what Willow does. You make oh, laugh. yes, that's it. Yeah, so she's got the vocal like this. Very, very subtle, Willow. She does this and she goes... <laughs> um, but, yeah, so she does that. And then Buffy and Riley start talking about uh, what they're doing after class or after school. Um, and Buffy stumbles and says she's going patrolling. And Riley's like, patrolling? And she says, Pat petroleum. You, oh, after class, you've got crude oil. Um, and then Riley is exactly the same. Riley's in the same boat. So they're both living this double life, and they want to tell each other, don't they? Yeah. Um, so is, are there any takeouts from that scene at all from you guys? Other than wanting to smack Buffy in the face when she starts questioning about the papers. Like, yeah. <laughs> what do you do? Yeah, so they're just about, I completely forgot about that part. So they're just about to kiss, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, so they're literally about to kiss, and she goes, because he says, I'm, I'm grading papers. And then she's like, ah, oh, okay. Oh, doughy eyed. And then they start, they're, they're just about to kiss, and then she goes, what papers? Um, and it's the first time they were about to kiss as well. So everybody has, has been watching these characters grow and getting closer and closer. And will they, won't they? All this like Ross and Rachel-ism. Um, and she ruins that moment because of talking. <laughs> exactly. Well, and it was completely unnecessary. Hmm. Like, it, it, it was almost sort of about to head into friend zone territory. Like, yeah. oh, oh, no, go away from me. What people? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then she obviously then goes on to sort of complain about the fact that that it's all terrible. Yeah, yeah, which we're going to get into. Um so are, are there any takeouts before we get into the uh, before we get into the credits, Jade? I think you both covered it. It was like even though I know that it happens like watching it again the other day and seeing that bit where she's like what papers I was like no. So um <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's, it is, it's like when you see your friends, like, and two of them like each other, and then you're just like, oh my God, just, just, just 
stop already. It's almost yeah. like that. It's just infuriating to watch. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then we the credits roll. So we've got the uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer theme tune and the opening. And then we cut to Giles' apartment with Spike. Uh, so Giles, how much I love Spike, I really uh, do. Yeah, I think season four Spike is like prime time Spike. This yeah. is Spike at his finest. Uh, yeah, definitely a hundred percent. And so Giles asks Spike if he's ever heard of the gentleman, and Spike says, uh, "Never heard of them." Now I did. Uh, <laughs> Scott says that's just the intro. Yes, that's just the intro, yeah. Scott. Um, <laughs> So, so Giles then asks Spike, obviously, about the gentleman. Now, I did a little bit of research, and the gentlemen, you'll be happy to know, ladies and gentlemen, are not real. These are uh, made-up characters. So even though um, in this particular series, and this obviously, obviously this episode, is they are, they, they're saying that the gentlemen are based on a fairy tale. Unfortunately, there is no fairy tale out there. There's not even a fairy tale that's close to them, uh, which I thought was quite interesting. I thought that it would have been nice to kind of link it to something in real life, but there's not. No. Um, but I suppose with Joss's with Joss's writing, they are our own demons, not being able to talk and having that voice taken away from us. Um, you know, let's get in, let's quit getting quite deep. Um, but there you go. We'll uh, we'll get into that shortly. Um, but I absolutely love the relationship between Giles and Spike. I just think it's so funny, and we learn as well another layer of, um, uh, of the vampire. So obviously the only vampires that we've truly got to know are Angel in season one and season two and season three, yeah. And parts of Spike when like he was like um, a, a supporting character. Uh, so he'd jump in, jump out. But we didn't really learn like all the layers. We'd learn obviously that they still can love. Uh, they have lust for each other and all this stuff. One of the layers is the fact that Spike... <laughs> loves blood in his Weetabix because it gives it a little bit of texture. And I thought that, that was absolutely fascinating. <laughs> just me then. I, it's just me that I thought that, that was absolutely fascinating. <laughs> then as well, he, he lies on the sofa with like what looks like some custard creams and peanut butter. I don't know what it was. like to me. <laughs> <laughs> Because I think um, Giles says to him, doesn't he, when he says, can we get some more Weetabix? And Giles is like, well, we wouldn't need more Weetabix if you didn't eat them all. I didn't think that vampires ate. And he's like, I like to mix them up with the blood. It gives it a bit of texture. So it was the fact that even Giles, who's got like this wealth of knowledge about all things like spooky, and he's like, wait a sec, <laughs> you're not. <laughs> like, but this is, this, is, this is the thing, obviously, because we're, we, the, 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 with the writing, they're making us get close to these characters, no matter big, small, evil, good, whatever. And um, with Spike, we know that he's a, a dick, let's be honest. And um, he, even he's got these layers, and he's obviously educating us as well. I just thought that was absolutely amazing to, to, to have. Uh, and then uh, Xander and Anya walk in, um, and we get this whole communication thing. So this is where, obviously, it's, it's, it's coming in from. So we have Xander and Anya that walk in, and they're having a bit of a lover's quarrel, talking about the fact that um, Cocoa Pops and Custard works well, says Mike. <laughs> put that on just to, to watch my face. It <laughs> I'm surprised he's not talking about custard skin. That's a big thing. It's disgusting. Um, so... 
we, we, we start having this communication elements, obviously, from the cold open. Um, they're talking, they're obviously having this, this lover's tip where um, Anya is saying to Xander, you don't love me. And he says, I do, I do. And she says, well, tell me or show me how much you care. And he says, you know how much I care. Um, I've just seen no, Scott no, comment. No, we'll, no. we'll, we'll have a custard skin um, debate later on. Um, we'll do own episode, yeah. <laughs> <Just talk. laughs> um, so we, we have this communication thing. This, this is now the theme of this particular episode, communication. Obviously, it was on the cold open. We've now got Xander and Anya talking about the fact that um, you know, Zan doesn't know how to tell Anya how much he cares. And apparently all he cares about is lots of orgasms. That's what I wrote on my notes. Lots of orgasms. <laughs> um, what's your take on Zandra and Anya's relationship? From this episode, not in, not in the future. Not in the future. Um, from this episode. You can go if you want, Jane. <laughs> First, um, when it's all going, whenever, like at this point in this in the relationship, or at this point in the in what's going on, um, that she seems more into him than he is into her. Like he doesn't want to admit that he likes her or say it out loud that he likes her or has feelings for her or whatever. Like he's being like a typical although he's not a teenage boy anymore, like, he's acting like a teenage boy, like, oh, I can't say that I like, do you know what I mean? But do you not think that that's because of the fact that Anya is madly in love with him, but from, if you will, like a young child's perspective, because Anya has only recently become human again. Yeah, so, true. and she has these, she doesn't have a filter. So obviously everything is heightened for her. And obviously she's got all of these feelings. She doesn't know how to deal with them. Whereas Xander's more like, I'm trying to be level here, but she's got all of these feelings that she just needs to talk about, like right now. Um, and I think maybe that's why, I'm not defending Xander, because Xander's a dick. But, um, <laughs> but... Everyone is a dick. <laughs> everyone, all the males are dicks, apart from Giles. Giles is a good dad. Um, but, I mean, he's not really dad, but he's a good dad. Um, but oh, yeah, I mean, Xander is a dick, let's be honest. Right, we move on to the Wicker group. Okay. <laughs> so, I've written down the Wicker group. Um, we come together, daughters of Gaia, sisters of the moon. We walk the darkness, wolves at our side, through the waterfall of power to the blackest, uh, to the blackest heart of eternity. I think we should do a big say. Like, go on, yeah. guys, over to you. What are, you, what are your feelings? This scene always wound me up. <laughs> yeah, funny. I hate the Wicker group. I hate yeah. that. The Wicker group is horrible, and they are a bunch of bitches as well, let's be honest. I, I've got here, um, so Willow brings up doing spells and stuff, and she's made fun out of. Tara tries to stick up for Willow, but it's basically like, they basically like just belittle her, like, oh, did you want to say something? Spells, what a bitch. <laughs> That's what I've written. Yeah, like, um, they're just all talking. It's just, they're just doing it for like 
to be like edgy. They're like they're basically they're just they're just like edge lords, aren't they? They're just like oh, yeah, right, yeah. No, I do like one of the things that she says though. Who left their scented candles dripping all over my woman power shrine? <laughs> I just. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. And that's definitely something that I'm going to look at trying to create for a T-shirt. <laughs> um, but yeah, spells, I wrote spells, what a bitch. Obviously, Willow's talking about, because Willow has the power. Willow has power. She uses that power. She can float pencils, okay, so it's not great power at the moment. But she's learning, and she, you know, she's, she's trying to come to terms with who she is as a witch and all of this stuff. And she can actually do spells. We've seen her do spells before. And so she joins this Wicca group to want to essentially um, expand her knowledge in the arts, if you will, thinking that there are other like-minded people like her within this group. And she's shot down. Oh, well, why don't she says something along the lines of the leader of this uh, group? She says something along the lines of, "Oh, and then we could all just get our brooms, get sticks, and fly away on our broomsticks." Um, talking about stereotypes, and I just thought, what a bitch. Just, I wasn't a fan. I think she's talking about, obviously, Willow looking for to expand in that area. I think also this episode really shows how Willow sort of doesn't feel like she fits in anymore or she, she's trying to find her footing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So... Uh, I'll go on to that a bit later as well. Like, I, I, I have a bit about Willow. <laughs> but that was the first bit. <laughs> So Willow leaves the. They're almost like the mean girls. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. Like oh, you want to do spells? You can't fit with us. Yeah. So Willow leaves the Wicked group and she meets up with Buffy, and Buffy says, "Oh, so there's not actual any witches in your witch group." And I, I, I put this photo up because there's Buffy wearing this. What I'm assuming is a cardigan or a jump, but I think she just looks like a present. <laughs> She looks like she's been wrapped in a boat. And I don't understand why. And she, correct me if I'm wrong, she's the vampire slayer. This outfit is not very practical. <laughs> like, the, no, I'm not a fan. If there was a vampire, like, there, I mean, she's in the school, it's daylight, so probably not. But if there was a vampire or a demon that was there and she needed to fight it, that's not going to happen. Wearing constricted arms, jumper, sweater cardigan thing making her look like a bow not a fan put it in the bin no not a fan that's that's my uh that, that was my take on that that was the only thing that i looked at and i thought that needs to go not a fan um for like that antiperspirant where it was like people that didn't use this antiperspirant had to keep their arms down at the oh, side. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what that outfit is yes is that definitely yeah um scott's put a comment uh, so from me, I've never seen Buffy, really other than one episode, maybe. Would it be worth me watching it all, If uh, and if so, why? Hannah, Isaac, and I have been searching for something to watch. From me, a hundred times yes. There is a reason why people start talking and still talk about Buffy from High Slayer now. It is something that was so far ahead of its time, but at the same time, part of that time. Um, it is so educational. I mean, we're going to get into it talking about how... Joss Whedon is such a beautiful, creative writer where he literally writes um, th these type of episodes so cleverly they are they are linked with everyday life. So he mixes the fantastical with the realism. So 100%, yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
Yes. The only advice that I would give would be to bear with season one. Just get through it because season two is where it's at. Season two, that's when the characters start building. That's when, But season one can be quite straining on, on the old noggin. I think one for me, like I think it's a really good season. I think you've got some really strong episodes, but I think it that's where it really sort of shows how old it is, mm. like dated. Where yeah. then you've lost that by season two. Yeah, because with uh, with season one, I think that they focus on Buffy wanting to save the world, etc., etc., etc. Whereas with season two, they start going into the individual characters and start building them up to the to be these people that you don't want to see anything happen to and you form bonds with these characters and that all happens in season two which is why i always say just bear with season one get through it because you need it for the base of what it's all about but season two that's where you'll be going that's where you'll get hooked a hundred percent i think for, for me with buffy the reason that i like it is it's got that kind of spooky stuff but it also doesn't take itself too seriously so it is quite a well-rounded show like you've got your comedy you've got your seriousness you've got you know you've got bits that will make you bawl your eyes out like it's although it's like you know 90s and in some in some instances there are occasions where it shows that it's 90s but I still think there are things that you can like compare to modern life and it's just it's it's an easy watch at times but it'll also like just draw you in. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. So back to uh, back to the episode. So um, Buffy and Riley. Uh, so sorry, she's she's talking about um, their relationship, Buffy and Riley, so with with Willow. And Willow says, you know, what, what's going on? And obviously, we talked about it before. Um, so Buffy and Riley. So see above talk all talk, which again we're going into this communication element talking about that they're talking too much and not enough action. So reading between the lines, what is going on? We need to stop talking. Um, you know, and, and just and, and I've linked this with something that happens later on. But Buffy is essentially saying that we're talking too much. And if we didn't talk, things would happen. And obviously that links very, very well later on when they don't talk and things happen. Um but yeah, and then they talk about the fact that, they, that she wants to come clean. She just she's sick to death of living a double life. She wants to come clean because she's not had to do it before, like especially with somebody that she loves or cares for and whatnot, um, or likes. Because obviously Angel knew straight away, and then we've got Riley. So Riley doesn't know, and she's got to keep this a secret, and obviously all of her friends know and everything. Um, so she wants to come clean. Um, have, you, are you, have you got any takes on, on this particular scene before I move on? written here both of them want to come clean because as this what as this conversation is going on with Buffy and Willow the same conversation pretty much is going on with Riley and his friend whose name I cannot remember Boris yeah that is in the initiative with him and basically like it cuts between the two conversations doesn't it because they're both having pretty much the exact same conversation and it's so similar the fact that they both have these like double lives that like they can literally make up one full conversation that makes complete sense out of the two separate conversations that they're having. Yeah, yeah. So I that that's one of the things that I wrote here. So I've already cut to the tinfoil pit of death, uh, which is the initiative because it's made of tinfoil. <laughs> let's be, <laughs> let's face it, it's the tinfoil pit of death. And whoever whoever had the budget to make the initiative 
I mean, they, they basically wrapped a pit in tinfoil and gone, there you go, that'll do. Um, but there you go. I mean, I'm not one of the, the, the people there. And it was the 90s, so uh, maybe the budget just didn't, you know, maybe they spent all the budget on this fight with the mayor in season maybe three. So tinfoil was expensive. It, was, it had a little maybe. decence to it, remember? <laughs> um, so, yeah, so it cut to the tinfoil pit of death. And then I put uh, Riley and Forrest, love heart. Because Forrest is basically like his little lover. He's like, oh, Riley, oh, touch my nipples, Riley. He doesn't say that. But he's like, Riley, oh, well, we, we can't. We have to stick together because we're men and we're, we're in the initiative together. And girls absolutely love us. But Riley, I really want your approval. And I don't approve of this, Buffy. I want you. I think Forrest is gay for uh, Riley, let's be honest. I, I, that's just what I take. I mean, Jay, you're doing a rewatch now. And when you're rewatching um, season four, you tell me that Forrest doesn't have a thing for Riley. He's super <laughs> jealous of Buffy, like super jealous of Buffy, and um, to a point where it's like they—they've they, obviously got—they've—they've they've either banged right or um, Forrest really has deep feelings for Riley and just doesn't want anything to go in between. Um, like hazing in fraternities. Mm. Yeah, that's what happened. Riley, Riley, and uh, Riley and Forrest. R Riley and Forrest. If you're watching today's show, um, I will send you an award for the the most sexual tension of this whole episode. Uh, you are awarded. Um, you know, bros, man, bros. A little bit of a bro job. Who who cares? It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Forrest and Riley. Riley and Forrest, Forrest and Riley. Well done, you win my award. I think this is just an initiative sort of thing, though, Like, because we always touched on how strange a relationship Maggie has with Riley. Maybe that's yeah. why he's a cardboard man. Maybe they have his personality and they're keeping it hostage. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Scott says, suck that dick T-shirts for them. <laughs> yes, there you go. Forrest, <laughs> I will send you an award and you will also have a T-shirt that says hashtag suck that dick. That will be yours. Um, and we'll get what we'll do is we'll post it to Riley first. What's that? And also, everyone is gay. Everyone is gay, yeah. You'll get both t shirts. What we'll do is we'll get Riley to wear them for a week and then send them over to you. So then you've got his scent as well, Forrest, from me to you, from Spill It to you. There you go. <laughs> so, moving swiftly on from the love story that never happened uh, of Forrest and Riley to tying Spike up. <laughs> I volunteer. We kind of skipped a little bit on how we've got to this point, and it's a really oh, fun part. Um, it goes back to when we were in Giles' apartment and Xander and Anya. Came <gasps> yes. And, uh, Giles asks Xander to take Spike for a few days because he's got a friend coming over, and that's where Anya, with her no filter, pops in as like an orgasm friend. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So Anya, Anya has got uh, Anya has basically said, "Oh, is she an orgasm friend?" And Giles is like, "Like, I don't want to talk about this. You know, we don't want to hear about Dad having sex." That's precisely <laughs> the worst thing you could have said right now. And mm. once, when we were discussing in the green room before, like everything leading up to this point, it's complaining about dialogue in somewhere. So like when Giles and Spike, we talk about the Weetabix. It's like, well, what you said means I'm never going to eat again. Didn't even pick up on that. Like, that's a really good point. Well done. Uh, I think, I think, I think, 
orgasm friend. Worst thing you could have said. It's like, well, I'm not going to be able to say anything. In that same scene you've, got, you've got Xander, I think, says to Spike to shut up. Like, it's all... It's all to do with speech and talking and everything. And yeah, there, there's certain little things. When you rewatch it again, you realise stuff like that. Anyway, so we cut to Xander's basement. Um, and he's tying Spike up because Xander has to look after Spike. Now, for those who haven't watched it, Spike's a vampire. Um, and Zander, he's a vampire who can't bite because he's got a chip in his head. Um, so he's got a behaviour modification chip, which basically means that he cannot cause um, damage or hurt another living thing. Um, Just human. Human, human, isn't it? Yeah. So he cannot, he cannot hurt a human being. Um, so Xander still uh, still ties him up, um, and he says he starts making a, a joke, talking about the fact that uh, this is unnecessary, and Xander's like, "It is necessary because I don't want you to come into the uh, come to me in the middle of the night and bite me." And he's like, "I wouldn't bite you if I tr- if I wanted to or whatever." And he said, "Yeah, you would, because <laughs> this is another T-shirt uh, quote. I am moist and delicious." <laughs> yeah, you're a yummy treat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're a nummy trick. But I love that. Hashtag moist and delicious. We'll get that on a t-shirt. That'll be amazing. Um, so yeah, so then Spike then starts imitating Anya and um, winding Spike up, uh, winding Xander up, uh, saying things like, uh, Xander, why don't we talk anymore? Uh, and he's like, shut up. And he's like, Xander. Uh, and I just love that because... Spike knows he can't hurt people, so he has to annoy them because he has to still have that, I'm a badass, like, I'm still going to be, like, talking shit and, you know, making you feel like shit through my words. And I just thought, I just thought it was a beautiful little scene between them. Again, I love Xander and Spike's relationship together as well. Um, yeah. So. Spike is used quite a lot in this episode for, like, uh, like comic relief. Like, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the scenes that he's put in are to sort of, because it is, once it really gets going, it's such like a dreary, dark episode, really, with everything yeah. going on. It's like any scene spikes in, even later on in the show, Um, it's just, there's, a, there's little things that are just funny. Yeah. So I think that's what Spike is just completely used for in, the, in this episode, especially. Yeah. So we then cut to Giles' apartment and Olivia comes through the door. Um, who is Olivia? Where is she come Giles from? Giles' orgasm friend. Yeah, where has <laughs> she come from? Um, I'm going to say by the accent that he knew her when he lived in England. <laughs> he knew her. <laughs> um, but where has she come from? Is she ever mentioned in previous episodes? I don't think he's ever seen again. No, she's never seen again. But I'm, I'm wondering if she's appeared in an episode before this one and then reintroduced on this episode, but then she's never seen again, which we go into at the end. Um, but anyway, so Giles is, uh, Giles is making notes and he, he's talking about seven. Seven what? Referring back to the nursery rhyme from the creepy child, um, they need to take seven and they might take yours. So Giles is trying to figure out what that seven is. What What is meant by this seven? So Giles at first was just like, oh, but Buffy, um, we don't, you know, it could have just been a dream. Don't worry about it. But as we all know, Buffy has prophetic dreams. Um, so he wants to take it a little bit serious at the same time. 
And he, what is it? What is the seven? We don't know. Or do we? Well, we don't know yet because we've not been told yet. Um, however, she kisses him. They have uh, lots of orgasms, let's say. <laughs> and then uh, this beautiful scene happens. Love it. Absolutely love it. So a lot happened in that. So um, obviously previously we've looked at in the dream, there was the, the, the gentleman uh, who tapped Buffy on the shoulder. And then again, we saw uh, the gentleman um, when, they, when they first arrived to Sunnydale. Now, this, I absolutely love this scene because suddenly you realise that there's more than one. 
So the, the, the whole thing has been that there's just been one from the beginning, but there isn't. There's a huge amount of them. And they're all the very, very same. Obviously, Doug Jones, or the, or the character that Doug Jones plays, is the lead of them. And what I love about them is that they move silently. They have these permanent grins on the faces, but every movement is just really, really slow and very relaxed. Um, what else did I write down? Um, yeah, it's like a creepy kind of slow kind of like everything is very very minimal all the movements are very very minimal and then you get obviously very deliberate movements yeah but then you get the the, the complete opposite of that which is obviously the the uh, psychiatric patient kind of um minions that they have and they run around and they're very very loud and they're rolling all over the shore whereas the gentlemen are very upright and they just drift and they're very very silent and i this is yeah oh yes yes <laughs> um, now another take that i got from this uh, from this particular scene firstly it was at one o'clock in the morning okay and we saw a car drive was everybody asleep when this happened because suddenly um all the voices left what would have been what would, what would have been going on if he was driving it was a good job that everybody was asleep because if you was awake, you were just watching TV or whatnot, and you felt your you felt your mouth go, and then this white thing came out. Like what? What? <laughs> what is going on? Like the, the guy that was driving the car, he was just nicely driving, and suddenly get home, and then his mouth just drops open, and this white fluid fluid. This sounds really weird. <laughs> but this but this white mist comes from his mouth. Like it's a good job that everybody was asleep. Let's just put it that way. But then also. Where the fuck did that watchtower come from? That's never... I noted this. I was like, first scene featuring gentlemen, clock tower. Why? <laughs> Where does this clock tower come from? Is it, Did it magically appear? Did it magically appear for the gentlemen? Is it there all the time? Because I'm pretty sure that I'm not seeing that, what, uh, that clock tower ever again. It's like Olivia. Yeah. Maybe Olivia, Olivia brought it to town. She dragged it to, into town with her. Well, that was the first... That scene was... What's that? Wolfie's supposed to be patrolling. She made a point of this around. Yeah, yes! In the morning. What is yeah. she doing? She's, she's being lazy. Well, what? Yeah, exactly. Laws happened, Buffy. Laws happened, Buffy. Surely that's like prime patrolling time is like... Exactly. Not only that, the 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 initiative are also out patrolling as well. Um, what's going on, guys? One o'clock in the morning. Like this is prime eating time for vampires. Um, you've basically just ruined it. Yeah. Uh, but it's the first time that we get a proper look at the gentlemen, and they are a scary, scary being. And that is why this episode is just so good. And Doug Jones plays that creepiness so so well. And how I'm just trying to think like how crazy it must be. And obviously, I think the scariest thing is obviously the, 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 the student that's laid on the bed and the gentleman coming in and he's screaming. And you can see that he's really screaming. I'm getting chills talking about it. You can see that he's really screaming and nothing's coming out. And that must be the scariest thing because you can't even shout. You can't even cry because the gentlemen are coming into your room and chopping out your heart. So, so you're going to die screaming and you want to What do you say, Jade? I noticed on the post, right, 
I don't know if this is just me being like looking out for every single little thing, but on that guy's wall, I noticed right by the door, there's a red meat me. poster on the wall. I saw this for the first time as well. And I'm like, is this because this is where we find out what the seven are and what they're taking, which is red. So I was like, oh, oh my god. god. I didn't even see that. That is crazy. Well spotted. Well spotted. I was like, um, <laughs> so guys, guys who are watching at home, let me know in the comments what you thought. If you, especially if this is your first time watching, um, let me know in the comments what you thought of the gentleman on your very first watch. Um, they are creepy as hell, and um, <laughs> I've always wanted, I've always wanted to do a Halloween. Um, theme and I go as like a, a somebody like a gentleman. Uh, the only thing I need to figure out is how I can float. So if anyone knows how I can float and I can be a gentleman, oh, let me know. Would a hoverboard count? I don't know. Probably actually. Yeah, if I'm a... be the only way you can do it. You'd have to sort of put something around it so it looks a little bit less hoverboardy. But yeah, yeah, I'll, I'm sure I'll figure it out. And um, so then we come to the next day. Well, looking at the. <laughs> gentlemen the way they dress the way they move and everything else it's all they're almost like slender manage yeah oh good good shout good shout and um, so we cut to the next day and um obviously we don't we, we don't we don't know what's, we don't know what's we don't we don't know what's happened and um, all we know as an audience and obviously from the character's perspective as well is that we saw this mist leave people's um mouths we don't know what that's actually done um, until this particular scene. I love this scene. So uh, Buffy wakes up, goes about her normal routine, she goes, starts cleaning her teeth, yawns, goes back into the room. Uh, as she's crossing the corridor, she sees somebody crying, and she just kind of ignores it, because, you know, students cry, crying the cry babies. Um, and then they go into the room, and she goes into the room, and she says, morning to Willow. Um, and Willow says, morning back. And I love this interaction, even though it's a complete realisation, suddenly the panic starts sitting in. But I love it because it's such a cute interaction between Buffy and Willow and really, it like, kind of builds on their friendship. Because Buffy is like, I can't speak. And Willow's like, I've gone deaf. Um, and I just, I love that interaction between them, just like the, the realisation. And I'm just wondering, because obviously this is real to life as well. And obviously you wouldn't, how many people speak in the morning straight away as soon as they wake up? Like, I mean, Emmy, you probably do with your little. Uh, yeah, I do. I could say I don't know. I'm like, actually, yes, I do. <laughs> I definitely do. But like with me, I could go hours without speaking. Um, like the amount of times, for instance, where I've woken up, gone downstairs, put something on the TV, um, mainly the PS4, sat there and just played games for hours and not said a word, and I wouldn't know. And I just thought that was that was genius, especially the realization of it all as well. Um. And what would you do? Because we start seeing this panic sitting in, and the, the you know the, the, everybody's panicking. So we're going to obviously Xander. Well, in fact, we'll do this and then I'll ask the question. So we move on to Xander blaming Spike, which I thought was genius. Spike's like, "I'm tied up. Obviously, I'm not going to. How could I have done this?" And Xander's like, "You've you've done this," and I love it because if you look at Xander, Xander's like, ah, ah, and Spike's like. I can't speak. I can't speak. And he's dead chill about it. He's just dead calm. And then even Xander went shouting at him. He's like, I'm not doing anything. And I got <laughs> I got these two photos because of, this is just showing how chill he is. But Xander's still blaming Spike and Spike does this. 
<laughs> sticks his two middle, his two fingers up at him. And the reason that I've taken that is because I do that today. I watched this episode and I still did it. So I, I go all the time. Like if somebody's annoying me, rather, and I go to take a breath, like I'm going to say something, I change it to that. And that's come from Spike doing it on this episode. And I still do it today. I still got like, because I just think it's genius. And then um, Xander then runs to the telephone and starts trying to ring Buffy. Buffy answers the phone and realizes that she can't speak and just hangs up. And then Spike looks at Xander <laughs> with such disappointment. Like, mate, come on, what are you doing? Uh, you know that you can't speak and you, you've rang Buffy. Um, and then we go to, I'm just talking about the voice and then I'll, and then I'll come back. So we talk, and then, and then we, we go to the initiative was uh, Riley and Forrest go into the lift or the elevator in America. And they are, uh, who does a vocal identification? Who? You're a top military thing that, that's funded by the government and you are doing vocal uh, vocal identification. What happens if you've got a sore throat? What about if you've lost your voice? What about if you're just feeling a little bit groggy and you, your voice isn't like, you know, what What happens in that situation? In a case of emergency, take the stairs. Yes. But <laughs> really, I mean, and to enter, so to enter the lift, you've got to do your retinal scan and then You've got to do a vocal. Surely the retinal overrules the vocal, right? When you're saying Boris, I imagine I imagine Borjo or just me. Who's Boris? When have I said Boris? You're saying, I think oh, forest. Boris. <laughs> like trees, Scott. Trees. Forest. <laughs> I prefer to think of him as Boris. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's think of him as Boris now. That's hilarious. Don't do that to Forest. That's really mean. I mean... <laughs> he's, not, he's, not, he's not Boris, come on. Okay, okay, okay. Um, so my question is, what would you do if you walk up and you realise that you, your voice had been stolen from you and everybody around you couldn't speak? It'd be amazing. <laughs> I have a four-year-old. I cannot do anything better. <laughs> I don't know, like... I think it it depends on what mood I woke up in. Like, if I'm in a mood where I'm just, like, pissy, then it'd be a godsend. But if I wake up in a good mood, then I might be a bit upset. <laughs> Scott says, get on the old porn hub. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, one of the things that I really liked about when, when we first start learning what's happened is the total lack of music. Like, it yeah. makes all the silence, like, so much more intense like the fact that you can hear like Buffy opening the door and like brushing her teeth and stuff it just makes everything so much you can hear the breath as well so when they're talking and they're, and they're panicking you can hear them breathing and I love that because obviously it shows that it's not just I mean this is where this is where the actor's point of view comes into play it's not just the fact that they've just taken away the sound these actors are miming their words. They are lip syncing these words. Or not lip syncing, because I was obviously they are miming these words. Um, and 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 that's what this is why it's a beautifully written episode. And it really goes to show the actors' capabilities as well, uh, which we'll get into uh, later on as well. Um, so then we see like literally no dialogue. It almost takes it back to sort of like you know, like old, old horror films like 
you know the black and white horror films where there wasn't any sound and you had to re- and there wasn't any like background music there was literally just the visuals to scare you they, they couldn't rely on like putting music in certain places to give you a jump scare like and and i feel like joss whedon has kind of done that with this episode he's like stripped it all the way back to be just pure terror on like a visual basis yeah yeah definitely um so then we cut to the town and we see that there's like a for some bizarre reason the town is in despair and there's there's cars that have been overturned there's people who are walking around without a job there's people who are just sat on the street wondering about their life there's there's also there's a complete and utter breakdown of the town of sunnydale and i'm thinking to myself would that happen? Would it really happen where somebody suddenly everybody was like, "Oh my god, it's yeah, stroke it's and everything." Been about five hours. Like, mm. come on, guys. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't have believed it if we hadn't just lived lockdown. True. Which we move into now. So the wall has just disappeared. Yeah, yeah it would happen. <laughs> so now we move. So then we actually move on to a very very good thing that that is linked to especially what's going on in 2020. So we see this breakdown and then to the, so Willow and Buffy are walking through town. They're seeing everybody and how, you know, disappointed everybody is and, you know, worry, worry, worry. And they look to the right and they see uh, religious folk, uh, you know, reading the Bible together, looking for hope. And then they turn to the left and they see this guy right here. Message boards, $10. So there's a guy, a corrupt guy, profiting of of this um, pandemic, let's say. And I think that that slots very, very nicely. And Jade, you raised the point a few days ago, and obviously you did your Buffy Watch, so I'll I'll go over to you. Uh, You go ahead with this point. (laughs) So, yeah, I'd forgotten, literally, I'd forgotten all about this part. Um, And then when I was watching it, I was like, oh, it's literally like those people at the beginning of all of the the covid stuff that like started stockpiling hand sanitizer stockpiling masks it's like when originally when watching this i was probably like that's not realistic like this guy stood on the street selling message boards for ten dollars because there's a you know a crisis going on but then when you look at it now you can you can compare it directly to what's happening now in like i said the fact that you have people doing it with masks people doing it with hand sanitizer like buying them at you know, their normal price at the beginning of everything and then jacking the price right up to profiteer off of what was happening. Um, yeah. So I just thought that was, even though this came out like, what, like 20 years ago? Yeah. Um, it's still like, it just goes to show that people, there are people that are like inherently corrupt and will just take advantage of a horrible situation to yeah. make money. Yeah. Um, and then we cut to a news report um, that uh, the town of Sunnydale is uh, in quarantine and they are locking down Sunnydale. And I just thought this is just complete. This is so relevant right now. And they're saying that people, like nobody. This is Wales, Scott. Scott lives in Wales. Wales is completely locked down at the minute. And um, so Sunnydale is now Wales. Um, so they say that a completely lockdown. Nobody's allowed to enter or leave. It is a pandemic. Um, people need to just stay at home. They're telling people that they are ill and that they need to stay at home. Um, and obviously, it's so relevant to 2020. 
and then it cooks, and then it cooks too. Um, Buffy, obviously, so they're all at Giles's apartment and they're talking and they're look, looking at this uh, this thing. And Buffy says, "I'm going to go on patrol tonight." And then Giles says, "But why?" And then it cuts to a really, really cheap version of Stephen Hawkins uh, talking as a robotic voice, going, "Because there will be trouble." Um, <laughs> I mean, again, military base here, um, funded by the government, and they have a really cheap. I mean, worst, worst, worst you know. I mean, it's the nineties, but you know, is the. I have a lot of issues with the with the initiative, but then she says, Professor Walsh. Professor Walsh says, dress as civilians. Why? They have got army, cargo, everything. Shouldn't shouldn't surely sorry. Surely it would make more sense for them to dress in their army get-up into the streets because that will have some form of order. Am I right or am I wrong there? I think from both ways because the reason that, that, that Maggie says this is because they don't want to scare the civilians. So it's like mm. from both sides, it's like, okay, so you've got from the one side, it will help keep order if you're if it's shown to be a military presence but on the other side it could cause panic which could then lead to riots and you know blah 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 blah. so i think it is a little bit of a catch-22 there with how to put them on the street and for me it also shows when you say about how it cut between from buffy well the scoobies to the initiative it's going back to i think if it's the two parts of the same conversation that's yeah. still happening even though they both have very different approaches to it. So like you, you were saying, obviously, um, about on one side, you have the the pastor reading from the Bible, sort of, <laughs> and you've got the message side on the other. It's the same sort of thing. It's the whole, like, sort of the two halves. Um, but what just one slight backtrack, going back to the bit about the Bible. Um, one thing that I noticed straight away was that the passage that they're reading is Revelations which I think was quite interesting because that's pretty much what this episode is about. Yeah. It's actually really um, relevant. It's a relevant passage that they're reading. Um, I just brought it up on my phone because I was like, what was it again? And <laughs> the actual line is, and I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvellous, seven angels having seven last plagues. and filling <gasps> seven. 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 Oh, yeah. chills. <laughs> So it's like a really relevant sort of passage as well, even though you can't hear it. Oh, I love that. Especially the seven. I'm like, oh, that's chills. That is literal chills. Um, yeah. I know, it's like going back just slightly to that news report is they're saying about um, they think it's due to a flu vaccine. Um, yeah. And then they also say some people are claiming it's a hoax again. 2021. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so definitely. It, it is you can you can literally make like direct comparison with this episode. Yeah. Um. So then Buffy. So then Buffy goes out and she starts patrolling the town. So she's uh, so she's left the town and she sees Riley for the first time. And there's two guys about to start causing a riot in the town. And Riley's there like pushing this guy, going no 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 no. And then Buffy uh, sees her own like this other guy that picks up a pole. And she just walks over, grabs his wrist and bends it and it snaps. Right. This bit annoys me because the whole thing, right, it 
So it's a lot of people say oh, it's a silent episode, but as we touched on, it's not. You have a lot of ambient sound, but essentially it's silent other than how, how emphasised these noises are. Now, I'm pretty sure that Riley would have heard that snap. Yeah. Stuck so close and it was so loud. It just goes, keep walking. <laughs> Definitely, you know? yeah. Oh, it bugs me. <laughs> so, the, so Buffy sees Riley. She walks over to him, um, breaks that guy's wrist, and then they start mouthing words to each other, like, are you okay? And, yeah, you, and all that lot. And then they hear uh, a trash can fall to the floor. Or is it a smash? I think it's a smash, actually. So they, so they hear a smash, um, and then they look to each other like, well, got to go, got to go, got to go, because they're both patrolling. And then they kiss which is obviously what I was talking about before, which is obviously when Buffy was like, we're talking too much, if there's less talking, then something will happen. Now they can't talk, the kiss happens, which is, you know, a positive thing. Um, what is your opinion about Buffy and Riley? I think he's too, like... Cardboard? <laughs> he's cardboard. He's a cardboard man, but he's the nice. He's a nice person for Buffy, but he's just too nice. So yeah, he's just like look at any kind of like leading man in like any kind of teen movie in the nineties, and it's Riley. He's just the kid and everything. Yeah, he's just yeah. like there's no fight. Like look at Buffy and Angel, and then Riley and Buffy. And it's just like get out of town. Like mm. no, he's just. Yeah. To me, that was one of like the weaker parts of the writing almost was they're supposed to have this massive chemistry, but you just can't see it at all. Yeah. yeah. Episodes when you know they they literally them having sex creates a friggin' house to grow trees around them to protect them. You know? Oh god, where the wild things are. Ugh, yeah. I can't get into that episode. Um but, it sounds like, I mean, like Emmy was saying, like, lazy writing. Like, it almost seems like Buffy needed, after the, after the whole Angel fiasco, um, yeah. she needed, like, they, they, they acted like she needed a, a boyfriend or a man around. Yeah. And just, they were like, oh, what will people like? This Kendall guy. But it's yeah. a shame because, actually, like, like you said, Marcus, Riley's actually nice. And yeah. until like the last bit when he sort of does a silly, he he's he great. <laughs> you know? And to be fair, speaking, so I, I was I, I've actually been speaking to Mark Lucas um, about the character of Riley and how much input he had. And actually, Buffy the Vampire Slayer was one of his one of his first gigs, like actually do like being a performer, being an actor, because he's actually um, he who is actually a professional basketball player. Um, and, and had nothing to do with acting. And he, he did like a couple of scenes in, in other things. <laughs> Scott says, does it silly? Um, yeah, we're, we can't get into it because that's spoilers. But um, yeah. When you watch it, you'll know. Um, but yeah, so he, that, so he said that it wasn't, from his perspective, it wasn't anything to do with the writing. It was more about the, how he interpreted the role and couldn't really do it. And uh, he, Sarah Michelle Geller actually had to tell him how to act and how to. She basically took her, took him under her, under her wing to try and bring him up. And she used to get really, really frustrated with him. And he laughed at that as well. And he started saying that, uh, you know, 
she got really, really frustrated with me. Like at the time she wouldn't speak to me at all because she was so annoyed with me. And I can see that. Um, but yeah, and it is, I think he's obviously, he was a young actor and, and all that lot. But you, I mean, he is a cardboard man. That's why I call him the cardboard man, Riley. Um, but yeah, and then we cut to night. And uh, here come the gentlemen with their very slow, minimalistic uh, movements again. Um, so they're in the clock tower. And they're talking about, well, they're not talking, obviously, but they're going through the seven hearts. So they've, they've got jars of hearts and they've got empty jars. And I absolutely love this scene because of this. So the rest of the gentlemen stand there and they do this very minimalistic clapping. And yes, Jade, the Doug, uh, so Doug Jones, his character, he's like, like, proper, oh, thank you. Oh, thank you. I did very, very well. Ooh, like, so, so proud of himself. I genuinely, I, it's such a good, good scene. And then we cut to Jazz's apartment, um, and Olivia has done a drawing of the gentleman. Very good drawing. Good very artist. good drawing. <laughs> What's that? It's just as well she's a good artist because... Yeah, I know. Because, obviously, the, the scene coming up, we've got Giles's. Uh, I mean, my take on a gentleman would literally just be a stickman. So, <laughs> I'm going. To, I'm going to do my impression of a gentleman now while while we're carrying on talking. So. Yeah, so you you start drawing. It, yeah, you guys do your drawing of a of a uh, of a gentleman, and then we will. Uh, I'll continue the the thing. So, um, duh, 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 duh. here we go. So Olivia can draw, and then we move on to the presentation scene. So I'm going to play the presentation scene uh, after this. So Giles gets the Scooby gang into the university, so they use the university for this. Uh, he has created on the projector screen, like lots of different drawings, showing uh, who the gentlemen are, how to kill them, et cetera, et cetera. And Anya, bless his heart and soul, um, brings snacks to watch it, uh, to watch this presentation, which I thought was absolutely adorable. And Buffy, uh, which is in the scene shortly, uh, it stays true to her character, even though she uh, has got no voice, where Giles' drawing of Buffy really, really offends her. So I'm going to play that video now uh, so we can see that scene, and then you guys can share your drawings of the gentleman after this scene.
So there we go. And so absolutely love that scene. It's so comical as well, watching the the actors like Sarah Michelle Geller and all that lot um, really play on the, the fact that they can't talk and the actions can be misconstrued to be something else. Uh, right, let me show let me see your pictures of the gentleman, please. Jade, we'll start with you. That's, That's actually good. pretty good. That's really good. Wait, he's also wait this way, he's floating. See love it. Going? Absolutely love it. <laughs> Yeah, can we get that? If you can send me that, uh, and then I'll, 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 we'll get, we'll get Mike to, uh, to do a, uh, do a, uh, a t-shirt. All right. Excuse my swearing, but I don't know what the fuck I've drawn. <laughs> <laughs> it's some sort of manic Nosferati. That is hilarious. Right. I tell you what we'll do is that I will also draw one later today, um, <laughs> and then we'll send those images over to Mike, and then we'll try and get Mike to make them on t-shirts. <laughs> Because that'll be absolutely hilarious if we can have all three on a T-shirt. Um, so the scene is absolutely glorious. It is an iconic scene, um, and then we cut to the the they, the oh no, we cut to Spike being in the apartment, uh, Jazz's apartment again. Anya falls asleep on the sofa. Um, there you go, Mike says. I was just about to say that. There we go, Mike. Um, so uh, Anya falls asleep on the sofa. And uh, Spike goes over to the refrigerator, opens up uh, and grabs a, a mug, uh, Giles' infamous green mug. Guys who are going to watch this, and guys here as well, the Scoobies, um, when you are doing a rewatch of Buffy, Giles always has a green mug. And I never noticed it, but Giles always has a green mug. It's crazy. I absolutely love it. Um, but yeah, um, so... Spike starts drinking blood out of this green mug and his little vampire face comes on. Then it cuts to uh, the gentleman uh, going, oh no, it cuts to Tara, sorry. So Tara has got an idea of how to get people's voices back. So she's found a spell and she leaves the university campus to go and try and find Willow in a different dorm. And then I've written in my, in my nose these exact words, Tara walking, holy shitballs. Um, <laughs> because she so sees the, the she sees the gentleman, the gentlemen are floating towards her, like, oh, we've now got our next target, uh, and they start chasing Tara. Uh, any notes from you guys? Quite a lot of my notes about this could potentially be a spoiler for the rest of the series. Oh. So, okay, so we can't talk about that. I think my bit. Like, it really surprised me that, like, obviously Tara is so shy and quiet and timid, yet she was brave enough to be like, right, I'm going to do something about it. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. When it, when it all came down to it, she was so brave and, like, powerful. To be yeah. Like, out of all of them, out of everybody as well, that she was the one that had an actual plan. Um, yeah. Even, like, even going down to uh, the, the, the thing that we just watched, the presentation that we just watched, there was no plan. It was just, this is who the gentlemen are and this is how we do it, but I don't know how we're going to do it. Whereas Tara actually had a plan and she executed, she was going to execute that plan, but then obviously the gentleman came back. Um, so we then cut to uh, Xander walking in on the sofa, uh, well, into Giles' apartment and sees Anya led on the sofa like this and then Spike pops up from the sofa because he's dropped something behind the sofa. He pops up. He's got his red mouth because he's been drinking the blood from the cup. His vampire face on. And Xander is like, 
oh my god, you you you've been here, and like obviously doesn't say it, but runs over and launches himself onto Spike and starts pummeling him. Um, and Anya, that obviously wakes Anya up. Anya wakes up and goes, I'm all right, I'm all right. Um, and Xander looks at Anya and's like, oh. And then looks at Spike and goes, whatever. <laughs> like, I'm not sorry. Um, and then they kiss. It's all really, really romantic because finally Anya has that um, confirmation that Xander truly does love her and truly cares about her because he thought that she died. And... Um, and then she ruins that <laughs> by making this little thing. She goes like this and she goes. <laughs> <laughs> so they go and have many orgasms. We Sil then, silently, yeah. I wonder what, we're not going to go, oh, we're not go into that. <laughs> we're, not, we're not going to go into that. Um, <laughs> Jade's thinking about it. <laughs> so we are now in Willow's dorm um, and Tara is frantically knocking on all of the doors, trying to get somebody to answer the door. But the thing is, is that the, the students all know what happened um, to this previous student, the, the fact that, you know, somebody had died. They're all, they're all on edge. They're all worried. So nobody's answering the door. And we then see Willow hearing this knocking on the door. So she gets up and she walks over to the door, scared, but she's, going to try and open the door and see what's going on. Tara's knocking on the door like this. Willow goes to open it, and then we realise it's two separate scenes. Um, we assume, watching it, that Tara's knocking on Willow's door, and it's, uh, and she's not. Tara's knocking on all the different doors. Willow opens her door, and the gentlemen are stood there with their big grins looking at her. And so she runs. She takes a tumble. Um, and uh, injures her leg. What's that, sorry? The Tara runs and crashes into her, doesn't she? Yes. So she so she, so she hurts her ankle. Uh, they're there limping together, running through the university, and this is where we get to the sweaty vending machine magic. Okay, so I like this scene because it's sweaty. It's full of vending machine magic. Lesbian vending machine magic. <laughs> um, so Tara sees Willow trying to move this vending machine with telekinesis and she sees that the vending machine is moving but not fully to block the door and then we see this sweaty magic happen where Willow's hand is here Tara's hand is here and they slowly go like this and then suddenly they're lesbian and vending machine ha magic happens, vending machine moves and blocks the door. Um, so that is where we, we are up to with the lesbian sweaty vending machine magic, which I absolutely love. Um, um, have, have you got any notes before I move on? Um, no, I've got, I've got Willow vending machine trips. I think you covered it. <laughs> yeah. I, think, I think it's like one of the recurring themes obviously throughout the episode that like it's the whole together the more than the sum of the parts yeah like neither of them could have done it but together it just flew and it's yeah. the same with Buffy and Riley and like I said for the Scoobies and the initiative if they just worked together they'd be unstoppable yeah you've got a really good point about that later on haven't you as well so um, but yeah it's all about when like, we can work together 
um, to get a better future and a better outcome. Um, and yeah, it is that underlying theme as well. We might not be able to talk, but we can still work together. And I think that's what's important. Um, so they go on patrol and Riley notices uh, the, the, the shadows in the clock tower. And so he goes to investigate. And then Buffy uh, finds two of the gentleman's minions, uh, kills one of them and runs after the other. Riley is fighting his way into the clock tower, and while he's battling, um, is it has, have they got him strangled or something like that? Something hap some, something's happening, and then Buffy comes crashing through the the clock tower, and this massive fight erupts. He doesn't know who it is. He's like, "Who is this person?" And because like, they, they've not they've not seen each other. Buffy obviously sees this soldier man and not they're not, you know, putting the dots together. They're just fighting. And then uh, Riley has his little stupid laser electric gun, whatever, toy gun, and goes like this. And Buffy does the same with her crossbow. And suddenly the realisation hits. Oh, shit. We know each other. Like, oh. And I love that moment because they still... It's still that surprise element. It's still that we've got nothing left to say. Like, what, what, what the hell is going on? So they work together, as uh, any of you gloriously said. They work together, and uh, they are um, winning. They're winning the fight, let's say. Um, but as we know, no weapon can kill the gentleman. But what can kill the gentleman is Jade. Voice of the princess. Or yes, and who has been wearing pink for the second half of the episode. There you go. So uh, we went, we did this, uh, we talked about this before, and Buffy starts after the scene where we find out the voice of the princess is the one that can destroy the gentleman. Buffy then starts wearing pink. Now, we are talking back in the 90s, and we're talking about the fact that pink was related to girls, uh, pretty little girls and pretty little princesses and all of that lot. And Buffy, for the second half of the, uh, of the episode, starts wearing pink, um, which I thought was... Obviously, you pointed it out, Jane, and I thought, well, as soon as you pointed it out, I was like, that is epic, the fact that you've picked that out. And actually, yeah, it's, it is really, really... Um, it's there, like, plain as day. So she starts wearing pink, um, so to obviously resemble the fact that she's the princess, she's the one that's going to save us all. Um, now, we know they haven't got their voices. However... Buffy spots something. And what does Buffy spot, Emmy? She spots the box that the little girl was holding at the beginning. In her dream. And so she goes to Riley, she goes like this. I love this bit so much. It's like, it is such... It, it's like me and Mike. I'm like, hmm, and I go, ah! It's like, no! <laughs> <laughs> Wrong thing completely! So Riley destroys the wrong thing at first, doesn't he? Uh, so he he, go, he he thinks that he knows what she's talking about. He goes to destroy it. It's all slow motion. He's like, yeah, boom. Nothing. <laughs> He's like, did I do good? Um, and she's like, oh, the box thing, the box, get the box. Um, so then he, he runs over, he hits the box. Uh, the the white mist that we saw from the beginning of everybody's voices go out and Buffy gets her voice back and we hear the worst scream in TV history. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it wasn't her voice, but it was the worst TV scream 
in the history of TV. I'm going to put it out there. I love this episode as well, but it was just that scream, and I was just like, meh. Um, if you used the Wilhelm scream, it would have been hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> but she screams, and the gentlemen go like this, and their heads explode, and they get covered in green gook, which is um, gentlemen, blood, and guts. Um, and they, together, they save the day, and all of the voices are back as well. So then we cut to the ending part. Uh, and it, which is the wind down, which is obviously where Buffy wants to speak to Riley, and Riley wants to speak to Buffy, talking about obviously what they've, what what's, what's happened, because they need to know they you know they've, they've got each other, they they need to discuss what's happened. And you've made a really good point on this, haven't you, Emmy? So I'll let you take this away. Yeah, I mean, for me, the the whole episode it, it's showing like how dialogue can get in the way. Obviously, at first they all need it. But then it's all the things that they don't say. And like with Riley and Buffy, if they would have been able to talk, they'd have suddenly ignored everything else and had a conversation. But instead, they just get on with fighting. And like, yeah, we'll worry about this later. Let's just finish what we need to do. And it also like touches on how um like how it can massively get in the way. Like so we already said about how at the beginning everyone was sort of coming out with all these complaints about shut up and that was a horrible thing to say and all this sort. But then, like, when I can't remember if it's, yeah, it must be before this bit because obviously that's how the episode ends. Giles and Olivia are talking. And she, oh, yeah, it's just before this scene, yeah. And she says, oh, Is it all real? And he's like, Yeah. And she's like, I only thought it was just being pretentious and, and things. And it's like, even though he did tell her, she didn't believe him. So dialogue doesn't always work. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's how communication is so much more important than just one aspect. Yeah. It's the context. It's the, all of it. It's, it's, it goes back it, to the beginning with Professor Walsh when she says communication isn't just language. It's the things that we do that we don't have a word for. So the, the, the whole episode kind of goes full circle. Yeah. Um, with like from what Professor Walsh says right at the beginning what happened there I didn't say Walsh <laughs> <laughs> right through to the end like you said where it's um it didn't matter how much Giles told Olivia these things his words weren't enough for her to believe it and like with Anya and Xander until he showed her that he loved her it wasn't enough like the words weren't enough like it just it was very cleverly done I think. yeah definitely and then we have this final scene where Buff, uh, where Riley comes to confront Buffy to talk about who she is. And obviously Buffy has them questions as well. And they go, right, well, I suppose we better talk. And they both take a seat on the bed and they just look at each other. And It's the most telling moment of the whole episode. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the, uh, it's, that's the end of the episode and the credits start rolling, but it is, it is the most... Out of all of the episodes, yeah, uh, the whole of the episode where it's completely silent, that is the most awkward silent because you're like, oh. Now that they can speak, no, now that they physically can speak, they actually they don't know what to say. Like, it's they go yeah. from talking too much to not being able to talk to yeah. not saying anything. It's to not wanting to talk. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And and that then takes us to 
the end of the Hush episode. Um, so, Jade and Emmy. So we'll start with Emmy first. Emmy, uh, were there any notes that you made that um, we've not discussed? I was just looking through my list and I accidentally broke my pencil. That's why I didn't do it. I think the only thing really was how the episode manages to really emphasise some of the character traits that you you maybe wouldn't realise normally. Most namely how um, Willow's insecurities really come through in this episode. Um, Obviously, she she, she goes to a group and she finds that she doesn't really fit in. But as soon as it goes silent, she assumes there's something wrong with her, with the death. Yeah. She, uh, or the, when she feels the need to say hi to Giles and get that comfort from him, she's like, me, 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 but I don't want to be too needy. And then I think that's also why it is so sweet when she does find that familiarity with Tara, because Tara just... I think the thing is, obviously, she lives in Buffy's shadow. And yeah. suddenly, Tara adores her. It's like, you're so special. It's you. It's not because you're friends with Buffy. It's it's you. And I think yeah. that's the first time Willow's ever really had that, because even early on, it, she was always just the friend or or whatever, Like obviously, because she was in love with Xander for years and, and things like that, you know. But he never noticed her until Buffy was around. And I think it really emphasises the little bits like that. But Definitely. Other than that, I think we covered my uh, my list. <laughs> uh, Jade, your list. Yeah, I think one of them. Going back to it, it again, one of the things that I wanted to touch on that we didn't really was about Willow um, and Tara, and it's the fact that at the just before that bit with um, Riley and Buffy, I think it's the first time that Buffy and Tara actually ever speak properly. Willow, Willow and Tara. Yes, sorry. And that's the point where, like, Tara says to her, like, you're amazing. And you just see sort of Willow, like, light up, like, sh- she's actually genuinely happy. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I think it, it. there's a lot of, like, character development, like Emmy said. Um. But I think you see a lot more of Willow. So it got so much character development, yeah. Yeah. I'm just being attacked by a kitten here. Oh That's the um, <laughs> So what, Jay, did you get the, the actual quote from what Maggie Walsh said about communication? Yes, give me one second. And that will be our ending quote for today. Um, talking about communication during open scene. The language and communication are not the same thing. Thought so language and communication, uh, commu- communication are what? Not the same thing. Not the same thing. It's thoughts and experiences we don't have a word for. And experiences that we don't have a word for. Okay, so the um, word for. So that's going to be uh, today's quote. There's two, there's two quotes from me, because um, at the end of every episode, we give our guests the opportunity to give a quote. And I think because of this is a, a trio of an effort, 
I think that particular quote itself um, is amazing, and we'll go with that one. So language and communication are not the same thing. It's thoughts and experiences that we don't have a word for. And I think that is absolutely perfect, and I think it's a brilliant thing to, to end with. And I think linking this episode to real life, um, we need to communicate more. We need to communicate in a way that, you know, will help each other and working together, regardless of what the situation is, um, you know, will always be better. And I think that that's my takeaway from doing this rewatch and obviously the quote, uh, talk about language and communication are not the same thing. Um, you might have all the words in the world, but it's your actions that, that add power to them. And I think that that's what people need to remember as well. You can talk the talk. I mean, you know, this, this, um, this show talks about mental health and mental health awareness quite a lot as well. And there's a, there's a clear difference between people that say, um, I will be there for you um, and the people who are genuinely there for you. It's easy enough to say it, um, but it's the actions that, that speak louder. Actions speak louder than words. There you go. Um, I actually had that written. I don't think you can see it because I think actions speak louder than words. That's hilarious. <laughs> well, that's brilliant. I love it. Absolutely love it. Um, so... That then takes us to the end of the show. Have you had fun? Yeah. It's been good. It's been two, nearly two hours. So it's a two-hour-long episode tonight. guys left. You are? It might just be us guys that are left, but it's okay. Maybe. But the thing is, is that people will watch it and they'll, whatever. It's a two-hour-long episode. It's been brilliant. So, guys, uh, if you want people to find you, uh, where can people find you? Uh, well, for me, I'm easiest to reach through Lightning and Friends. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. So, Tom, so where can people find Lightning and Friends? Facebook and Instagram, Lightning and Friends UK. Perfect. And Jade? Um, mine is actually my roller derby name um, on Instagram and Twitter. Um, so it's Squishy. Yes, as in like Finding Nemo, you can be my Squishy underscore 152 squishy on underscore 152 and that's your username yeah on twitter and instagram there you go squishy underscore 152 so you can find jade at squishy underscore 152 on instagram and twitter you can find emmy on our previous episode that we did a few weeks ago on lightning friends and uh, so you'll be able to see all of the contact information on there as well and for me i and Marcus Wright. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, uh, YouTube, and TikTok as well. Any any social media that you think that you can find, I'm probably on there. Um, but you can find me at spillit underscore Marcus on Instagram. On Facebook, when I'm not doing this show, I'm also running a dance exercise class, and you can find more about that on www.facebook.com forward slash danceexpreston. Uh, you can also find me on YouTube at www.youtube.com forward slash m4rcuslwe. And if you wanted to watch the Twitch show, you can also go on to Twitch at www.twitch.tv at spill underscore it underscore Marcus. And don't forget as well, you can also contact me via here um, on Spill It to send me your agony funkle uh, advice needs, whatever it is, and also send your pumpkin photos or just come and have a chat. It's up to you. But you can send me an email at marcus at spillit.uk. And that, ladies and gentlemen, takes us to the end of this very long two-hour 
episode of Bubba the Vampire Slayer. Thank you so much for joining me, guys, and both my Scoobies for joining and for sharing their watch with us. Guys, if you have not watched Bubba the Vampire Slayer, I sincerely hope that you do. As Emmy had said previously in the comments as well, it is available on Amazon Prime. There you go. So you can watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer on Amazon Prime. They are doing a rewatch on E4 at the moment as well. But guys, if you haven't watched it yet, you've been living under a rock or whatever, I sincerely pray to you that you watch it because it's amazing. Um, so, yeah. Thank you from me. Uh, next week's show, guys, we have got... Um, we have got a pyjama party for next week's show. It'll be absolutely crazy. We're raising money for, uh, well, people wearing PJs. Good mental. Loads of information will be coming out. But make sure that you join me on Saturday at 10pm for Sherry Vine. She's going to be epic. She's going to sing the songs. We're going to play games. It's going to be a blast. I hope to see you there. And for me and the rest of the Scoobies, I bid you farewell. <laughs>